Tenakoto, Unitarians Otamaki Makara. Tenakoto, Namanuhiri. Kotoko Inoe Shireen Caldwell. No Oko Tipuna, Auckland. Kete Noho, Oketamaki Makara, Auckland. Tenakoto, Tenakoto, Tenakoto Katua. Welcome to everybody. Welcome to our Auckland Unitarian Church. Welcome all fellow church members and visitors. Not this morning. Welcome if you join us via, via Zoom or physically present in the church, in this building where Auckland Unitarians have gathered for over 122 years. Welcome to people joining us remotely in our building and to those who may view our service online at a later time. All services are available on our website. I don't think there are any first-time visitors here, but if you're a first-time visitor online, welcome, welcome, thrice welcome. And thank you for choosing to share this time with us in our free and responsible search for truth and meaning. For those who join us in the physical church, please join us for a cup of tea and coffee after the service. It is our sacrament of hospitality. As I said, my name is Shireen Caldwell. Most of you do know me. I joined the church oh, about 1981, a bit uh, lost in the mists of time, and it has been my sanctuary for over 40 years. Our speaker today is John Maindonald, who is joining us remotely from Wellington. He's a personal friend who also joined the church in the early 1980s. I'll introduce John later on. Our opening words, uh, David Fougere will join me uh, for the opening words that are by Joan uh, Javier Duval. You are beloved and you are welcome here. Whether tears have fallen from your eyes this past week or gleeful laughter has spilled out of your smiling mouth. You are beloved and you are welcome here. Whether you are feeling brave or brokenhearted, defiant or defeated, fearsome or fearful. You are beloved and you are welcome here. Whether you have untold stories buried deep inside or stories that have been forced beyond the edges of comfort. You are welcome and beloved here. Whether you have made promises, broken promises or are renewing promises. You are beloved and you are welcome here. Whatever is on your heart, however, it is with your soul at this moment. You are beloved and you are welcome here. In the space of welcome and acceptance, commitment and recommitment, of covenant and connection, come, let us worship together.
we hold that moment in our spirit. This actually reflects the words of our first song, We'll Build a Land. When the great mosaic of humanity is treated with respect and with dignity, when no person is threatened by hunger or by war, when we have extended hospitality to the stranger and tended to the sick, when equity and justice reign everywhere, then we shall be free. We light this flame to hold that moment in our spirit and in our minds until we can make it real. Those words are by Adam Slate. Please join me now in reciting the covenant that Paul will now put up on the screen. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is the sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve you in mind and fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony. Thus do we covenant with each other and with our God. Jamie will now play Prelude in D minor by Couperon. Jamie.
reading this morning, John Maindonald has taken a large part of the inspiration for his talk this morning from Catherine Rundell's book about John Donne, who transformed from the pleasure-seeking young man about town to become the sober and serious Dean of St Paul's Cathedral in London. I've chosen it because it reflects Ed Simon's review of Catherine Rundell's book. In their article, Cecilia Del Bono and Claudia Castro, in a report called The World Happiness Report to the UN in, 19, sorry, in 2022, they state, the aim in rebuilding children's education is to help us rethink our values and care for the wider society. They go on to say, education must include reconsidering, rethinking, and rebuilding education for a more humane and happier society for our newer generations. Today, they say, there are a great many negative physical and mental health situations derived from, among others, the COVID-19 pandemic and the political, social, economic and environmental uncertainties that we all live in. We demand that we urgently address these issues and invite society and its institutions to deal with them. Our aim should be to advance towards a better quality of life in serene environments of peace, love, possibilities and well-being for all which would allow us to fulfil our human vocations. And they go on to finish their article with, we hope it will encourage new communities to embark on this educational path with hope, joy, work, trust, love, union and creativity, because that is what the new generations deserve, a more wholesome humanity. This also implies fostering a close relationship with the care of our planet, which we have significantly affected. All the objectives regarding sustainable development must also be incorporated into any curriculum project we may develop. Let us not forget that we have no other earth to live on. I'll now introduce our speaker for this morning. The questioning and scepticism of John Maindonald's childhood's response to a religiously conservative family and church influences yield to a conversion experience at age 14, John says, but was never suppressed. Following involvement with conservative religious groups and continued through until his late 20s, his religious outlook steadily moved in a more questioning and a radical direction. John joined the Auckland Unitarian Church in 1984, significant date, and at a time when it was at a low ebb, soon becoming involved both on the MC and in speaking from the pulpit. Sound like a familiar refrain to new joiners? John moved with his wife Winifred to Australia in 1996, returning to live in Wellington in 2015. 
From 1994 until 2001, he was president of the Australian and New Zealand Unitarian Association. His working life has been that of a research scientist and lecturer, with his name on numerous academic papers and on two substantial texts. The title of John's talk this morning is No Person is an Island Unto Themselves. Thank you, John, and over to you. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. John Dunn, who wrote the words that I want to ponder today, lived in England in troubled times. He was born to a staunchly Roman Catholic family at a time when it was illegal to be a practicing Catholic. In the five-year reign of Mary that ended 13 years before Dunn was born, Protestants who resisted her attempts to restore the supremacy of the Roman Catholic Church were in serious danger. Around 300 were executed, with many more going into exile. Under Elizabeth, who followed Mary, there was a complete break from the authority of the Roman Church, and practice of the Catholic faith became illegal. All were expected to outwardly conform and to attend Sunday service at their parish church. But from the time when Dunn was 13, any Catholic priest ordained abroad since the year following Elizabeth's accession and found on English soil was automatically deemed a traitor and his lay host a felon, both punishable by death. Those who were imprisoned or executed including a number of John Dunn's close relatives, including an older brother. This was the time, too, when major aspects of the slave trade were starting. It was also the time, I think, when that last song that we sang, My Life Flows On, an Endless Song, was being sung in some parts of Europe. John Dunn trained as a lawyer was for a time an adventurer and soldier, became a Protestant, was ordained at age 43 as an Anglican priest, and appointed six years later as Dean of St Paul's Cathedral. It's a good reason that Catherine Rundell's book on Dunn has the title Super Infinite, The Transformations of John Dunn. He transformed from committed Catholic to Protestant to Anglican cleric and to Dean of St Paul's Cathedral. In his youth, he wrote and distributed the friends and contacts Frank Love poems, some of it to modern ears, outdated or even offensive. Randall comments that every poem that salutes the female body and adores it, there are poems which denigrate and even degrade the idea of the female. From, this, from that brilliant and pleasure-seeking young man about town, he transformed to be the sober and serious Dean of St Paul's, an African reverend famed for his moving sermons and profound holy sonnets. Several of his holy sonnets have a preoccupation with sinful deeds that suggest that he was sensitive to the contrast with the youthful John Donne. He continues to attract interest today. Catherine Rundle's book has been popular with Wellington City Library readers when I put my name down for it on the, library, on the library some weeks ago, 
I found myself number 13 on the reserve list for one of maybe three hardback copies. I was able to get an electronic copy. <clears throat> it was as Dean of St. Paul's that he wrote <clears throat> the famous words, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a prawn tree were, as well as if a manner of my friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. It's quite remarkable that he's talking not just about bells tolling for humans, but also for continents and pieces of land that are being washed away. Dunn had a remarkable ability to pull together words and ideas in ways that forced important issues on the minds of his readers, but without directly passing judgment on the issues raised. You had to be pretty careful what you said. The death of his older brother Henry from plague in a prison and the hanging and quartering of the priest that Henry sheltered surely started bells rolling for John that told for John Dunn also. A common humanity and even commonalities in their religious traditions were, his words hint, far more important than the differences that had generated such violence and bloodshed. A private letter to a friend written perhaps five years before he was ordained makes exactly this point. I never fettered nor imprisoned the word religion, not immuring it in, in a Rome or a Wittenberg or a Geneva. They're all virtual beams of the one sun and wheresoever they find clay hearts, they harden them and mould them unto dust. They're connected pieces of one circle Religion is Christianity, which being too spiritual to be seen by us, does therefore taken an apparent body of good life and works. Most of us here today are likely to want to move beyond Christianity and perhaps beyond the trappings of one or other religious practice to celebrate a common humanity. It is, as Dunn says, good life and works that are of consequence. Catherine Rundle, commenting on, commenting on Dunn's No Man is an Island words right, there's a characteristic bite in the package, sorry, in the passage, which stands as both promise and warning. Death is coming for you. But they're glorious words. If we could believe them, they would upend the world. They, they cast our interconnectedness, not as a burden, but as a great project. Our interwoven lives draw their meaning only from each other. Indeed, if we could believe these words, they would upend the debate on who should get our vote next Saturday. There is in these words an impassioned call to look after each other. Words of Mahatma Gandhi come to mind. The true measure of any society can be found in how it treats its most vulnerable members. Pretty much. This is the message in the June 2023 Productivity Commission report, a fair chance for all. In the words of the Maori proverb, 
what is the most important thing in the world? Hey Tangata, hey Tangata, hey Tangata. It is the people, it's the people, it's the people. Or in the words of Dame Fina Cooper, take care of our children, take care of what they hear, take care of what they see, for how the children grow, so will be the shape of Aotearoa. A very obvious area of failure has been to, the failure to provide healthy homes for all members of society. At a forum in Wellington organised by Rentage United and Generation Zero, National Party spokesperson Chris Bishop commented, It's not one government's problem, right, left or right. It's a 30-year disaster. We have to get it right, starting from tomorrow, for the future of our kids. The 4,000 kids who live in motels, the 500 families who live in cars, the 25,000 on the social housing wait list, but most importantly, the people that rent and pay far too much and scandalously high rent for shit housing. I, I found that a bit amazing coming from uh, that source. The comments are far spot on, but Bishop, Bishop would not commit to increasing enforcement of the healthy home standards and look at setting up a, a rental warrant of fitness. Human Rights Commission data released in September 2022 estimated that more than 100,000 people faced severe housing deprivation, while 17% of people with physical impairment have unmet housing needs. But still, far too many children are growing up in poverty and not getting the help they need to grow up to be responsible citizens. It should be no surprise that so many of them turn to crime. The devil does indeed find deeds for idle hands to do, or if not idle, the better word might be, for children are not given proper direction in life. The sympathies <clears throat> to which Dunn challenges us extend in one of his poems to the world of domesticated animals. This quite surprised me. Why are we by all creatures waited on? Why do the prodigal elements supply life and food to me, being more pure than I, simpler and further corruption? Why brookest thou ignorant horse subjection? Why dost thou bull and bear, uh, sorry, bull and boar, so sillily dissemble weakness and by one man's stroke die? whose whole kind you might swallow and feed upon. Weaker I am, woes me, and worse than you. You have not sinned, nor need be timorous. Given the times in which it was written, when there was scant regard for the life of humans who descended from the norm, I think this regard for animal life astonishing. We are not islands from other humans, and we are not islands from the world of nature. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. And remember that about <coughs> that bit about parts of a continent being washed away. Bells have tolled also as storms and floods and fires have in the past several years done unprecedented damage in other parts of the world and to a lesser extent in New Zealand. Those same natural events are coming for us. 
Ed Simon, in a review of Catherine Rundle's book on the Poetry Foundation website, writes, Despite our material comforts being greater, our technology being superior, our knowledge being deeper, we confront a, a far more horrific future than Dunn did, in the form of rising seas, acidified oceans, and collapsing biospheres. Dunn's blunt wisdom understood that all of us are always ascending the scaffold. The reality is that today, many more of us are already climbing its steps. The challenge is for all of us, for our communities and for the world to grow, to undergo transformation and rethink the path on which we are set. We are set in ways that minister to our self-interest, notwithstanding the damage that they're doing to the wider community and the planet. In that spirit, we might ponder the title of another of Catherine Rundell's books, Why You Should Read Children's Books, even though you are so old and wise. The best children's fiction takes us back to a time when we were not so set in our damaging ways, when new discoveries came daily before the imagination was trimmed and neatened. We know far more than previous generations. Yes, we have knowledge, but desperately lack the collective wisdom needed to underpin effective action. Last week, <clears throat> Professor Peter Lynham spoke about the importance of community. We need communities that bring us together. In Dunn's day, there were strong competing religious communities, Anglican, Catholic and Puritan, that were pulling the country apart. In our day, we are steadily using the forms of community that religious groups have in the past for good or ill provided socio-economic differences, political differences, and extremes of opinions such as are represented by the Freedom and Rights Coalition have become major forces driving us apart. In contrast to those damaging sorts of communities and communities where people are, sorry, in, in, damage, in contrast to those damaging sorts of communities, stand communities where people care for each other and for those outside and seek a better world for all. Start by thinking of what they offer to those who will be the citizens of tomorrow. It does indeed take a village to raise a child, where parents are at their wit's end to provide the basic necessities of life. The support of others in the village becomes even more important. Prime Minister, whoever you may be following election day, do you accept the rights of all children irrespective of their parents' circumstances, to a decent start in life. Thank you. Thank you, John. The closing words this morning are by Deborah Hefner. As we enter another week of uncertainty in the world, let us remember that there is only one side that of humanity, the planet Earth. May we pray for peace. May we rise, raise our voices with our elected officials and engage as we can in acts of resistance. And may we remember to take good care of ourselves, each other and those we love.
In the World Happiness Report of the UN in 2022, we read, education must include reconsidering, rethinking, and rebuilding education for a more humane and a happier society for our newer generations. In your small groups, discuss what we can individually and as a church do to contribute to that rebuilding. It would be good to capture those. John, can I just check, the, these would be on the website um, at the end of the service? They will be later on today. Thank you, excellent. So could we form into small groups and I'll give you about 15 minutes and could you just choose one person uh, to feed back to the larger group? <laughs> 